Hi, and welcome to the Days Gone podcast. I'm Claire Weaver, a screenwriter, author, and Days Gone fan, and this podcast is a place to discuss the game in all its glory, share my opinions, both popular and unpopular, and listen to me fangirl over one of the best games ever made. There will be spoilers ahead, so continue at your own risk. Welcome to The Freak Show. Before we get started, I have a couple of the usual reminders. Weekdays at 7.30am Pacific Time, you can watch me livestream my Days Gone playthrough. I take on hordes, talk shit about rippers, and lay waste to ambush camps all before I've had my morning cup of coffee. You can find me on my YouTube channel, just search for Days Gone Podcast. And on Tuesdays, I hijack the Spornicus Rex YouTube channel for a collaborative livestream playthrough of Days Gone. He goes into advanced gameplay tactics and strategy, and I discuss the story, characters, and all the amazing details of the game. You can find us live on the Spornicus Rex YouTube channel every Tuesday at 6pm Pacific. Okay, today I am so very excited to welcome an incredible guest, someone I've been dying to talk to since my very first playthrough. He's been in The Walking Dead, the recent Blair Witch movie, and of course, we all know him as the character who hilariously refers to our beloved Deacon St. John as son of a preacher man. I'm thrilled to welcome James Allen McCune, aka Wade Taylor, to the podcast. Hey, Jamie, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. It's good to talk to you. Thank you for having me. How are you? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. And thank you so much for being here. I'm not lying. I, my first playthrough, when I got to Wade, that was what really made the game take on a whole fucking new depth for me. Um, his character is so cool, adds the the comedic relief that the game kind of needed, like highlighting the weirdness of Deacon's name just felt so right, you know, because it's kind of a little bit of a cheesy name to have, but mm -hmm. I really liked that Wade kind of pointed that out. And then, of course, you have the the tragic turn of events, the, the dark twist that Wade's storyline takes. Um, I just, I thought it was absolutely fucking fantastic it blew my mind oh thank you that means the world to me i i love this character i think he's such a it's it's a really interesting thing how days gone takes place so far into the apocalypse <laughs> you know it's been happening for a while at this mm -hmm. point that most of the people who have survived have really kind of have have had to fight for it in a way that has made a lot of tough people survive and exclusively tough people in lots of ways. But I love how the game really takes characters who honestly have no business um, making it uh, and shows what their experience is like, because that's probably the closest to how I function in, in a situation like that, especially Wade. Like Wade was, you know, he was so human. Yeah. He was so human for somebody so surrounded by even people who weren't acting like humans. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is usually with post-apocalyptic stuff you see immediately after the collapse, you know, or it's some like far future kind of Mad Max sort of world when the, the world has settled into a new structure of society. Days Gone is a, an interesting, uh, not even a turning point, just an interesting point in which it hasn't been that long. People are still sort of figuring out how to survive, but it's mm -hmm. been long enough to weed out the weak. And yeah. only the the sort of strongest or the um, luckiest sometimes have survived, which I, I think in Wade's case is probably more <laughs> more accurate <laughs> to describe why he survived his luck in a lot of ways. But yeah, honestly, it's it's sort of um, 
I don't know. There's another universe in which he didn't fall into old habits and he didn't repeat old patterns and maybe ended up at Copeland's camp instead of mm. uh, in the militia and, you know, became a better guy for it or something. I mean, there were, there were a few things that we filmed that I don't know if I just didn't trigger those events when I played, uh, or, but I, you know, we didn't see a lot of what he went through um, in, in entirety. And it's interesting because he's a very, he is a very, smart man he's not wise but he's he has a lot of appreciation for life in a way that's not easy to survive with in that environment so it's just kind of a cool thing to see like oh that's realistic you would you would have somebody who um maybe is just more slippery than everybody else rather mm. than being tougher and uh i don't know he he's yeah, he's a bit of a weasel but i i imagine that was a survival mechanism as well yeah. Um, so he's spent a whole life uh, cultivating a personality of survival, um, even if it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> so I, I fell in love with that about him was that he's just he is a survivor. You, can, you can't argue about that. Yeah. Which explains why he did, does what he does. Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. So before we kind of get more into Days Gone, I do want to talk a little bit about you and kind of give people some context about your career and some of the other amazing talents you have. So you're an actor. A singer, a songwriter, guitar player. What else am I missing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a terrible dancer, so I ain't a triple threat. But um, I have <laughs> I have a lot of a lot of uh, creativity on my plate for sure. I've been very uh, very lucky to get to exercise that stuff. I I think I'm um, mainly an actor. I would I would still I still love to have that in my back pocket. But lately, I've been doing most mostly music and stuff in my free time. But yeah, I I, I just love telling stories. Yeah. How did you get started in acting? Um, I got started in uh, high school, which I did late. I started very late. All of my friends were in drama and I, I was a very sincere nobody, just like an invisible character. You always have people fitting in niches and stuff. And, and you know, you see in movies about high school and stuff in America, there's always, it's always clicks and I fit into none of them. So I, to give you uh, an example, I had a, a girl that was on my bus for like the, our entire lives. We grew up on the same street. She introduced herself to me every year for like seven years. Oh my <laughs> she God. forgot that I sat next to her. So that's how like, oh, that's how no. present I was in high school. So I mostly just people watched, which I think ended up being the reason I became an actor down the road. Cause I just, mm. I love people. I, I think humanity is so fascinating and um terrifying and interesting and uh, i i got into acting just because my friends were doing it um but it was also the first compliment i got was was on stage i was just like floundering in drama drama class and my teacher was like albeit shocked but you know going wow okay that's something you can do and i just uh i kind of fell into it yeah. um it was it was uh a manner of luck in many ways which is another thing that i relate to wait about i think i kind of fell into my purpose on accident and mm -hmm. um i'm very grateful for that it's, it's really cool I, I i just i just but i've learned it comes from a, a just a deep passion for life yeah and like you say if you're a people watcher you probably pick up on a lot of the nuances of mannerisms and and characteristics and and character types that you can use as a tool in your acting it started off that way yeah i think whenever and I'm no authority on acting. I have not gone to school. There's nothing I, you know, I, I would take, take salt with everything that I say, if it sounds like advice, but I just starting off, I used, I used sort of 
people watching as a tool. And I give advice for all of my my friends. Like if you're going to do this as a job, really fall in love with with the way people are, mm. good or bad. Just learn about what makes somebody emote and why and what creates the the expressions people have. Because that's not only going to help you as an actor, but ultimately make you appreciate being alive more. Because the more you you for me, I I was I got so far into just like loving the character of people that I've now fallen into a place of like, I can't, I'm fascinated by everything everybody does. I think it's, it's life is a really beautiful thing to me. Um, and it's just, I, I'm acting is, has really introduced me to, to like, oh, wow, people are just people are what I'm passionate about being alive. <laughs> it's cool. Part actor, part anthropologist. <laughs> In many ways. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I, over the years, I've kind of become more, more um, philosophical about it in a way that I didn't realize I was cultivating yeah. at the beginning of my career. I've really, I've kind of stepped back over the years as an actor to try and understand it better. And I think and that wasn't on purpose at first. I think the pandemic kind of gave everyone an opportunity to stop what they're doing and look at themselves, thankfully. But um, during that time period, I just started to realize like, this is, uh, I'm deeply passionate about life rather than acting. So I've been kind of enjoying just being a normal person as much as I can. Because you, do, you don't live normally. When you're in LA, when you're an actor, that's not a normal life. <laughs> that's different. <laughs> that's different from the rest of the world. Like. I, I think I, I needed to, I've come back to Georgia where I grew up now and um, uh, I've, I've really just been trying to live and just uh, not study as much, but just kind of learn about my character and stuff. And mm. I, I've learned that's kind of why I, I like, I like acting so much in the first place. That's really um, cool. Self-discovery and, and, and how that can kind of play back into your career and be yeah, useful to you yeah. as a tool. Well, the career is kind of a side effect at this point. Um, right. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm very, I'm very, I could say it for years, I'm very grateful for uh, having, uh, being an actor in my life, even, even without it being like the main job that I do or something on a regular basis anymore. Um, it's, it's just something that is, is a, it's a different perspective. It's very interesting. Mm. It's a compelling life, <laughs> for better or worse. Now, you've acted in everything from horror movies and TV shows to musical stage plays. Mm. What's your favorite genre? Mm. Mm. both to act and also just to enjoy for your own you know personal entertainment oh this is a wonderful question i haven't thought about it recently i i think you know i just got to do uh the other month i got to fulfill the very top of my bucket list as an actor i was in the musical the last five years and it was kind of a return to musical theater after well over 10 years of not doing it. Like that's how I started was in musical theater and mm -hmm. um, coming out to LA, really focusing on film and TV. There wasn't really the same scene for it. And I was so, I was, I was doing other things. I eventually got into, produ uh, into producing um, towards the end of that time in LA. And yeah, I, I got, I got back into the show uh, in the last five years on, on a whim in a lot of ways. And it ended up being recorded. It was at the Ginny T theater. Jenny T. Anderson Theater here in Atlanta, and we, we filmed it. So um, it was kind of the perfect medium between stage and screen. And uh, it was, that's that's very easily my favorite thing that I've done in my whole career. With Days Gone being honestly either second or third. Um, but the being on stage and having it filmed was like the perfect in-between um, for me. And I, I kind of got the same vibe while filming 
days gone in a lot of ways because the mm. way that you do performance capture is it's a, it's the same mentality not every uh, medium as an actor uh, can be done the same way you can't do vo the same way you would do film and you can't do film the same way you do uh, stage um, you definitely can't so they're just they're different tools and it was really kind of cool to get the blend those and I realized mm. while I was filming uh, the last five years that 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 blend of screen and stage it's actually perfectly uh, it shows up perfectly in performance capture like we did for day, for days gone so awesome. probably both of those but I I'm such a musical theater. I love singing I love it so much that like the last five years was uh, that opened up a new piece of my heart for me that I haven't touched in a long time. So probably that, whatever that is, that mixed media format, that's how I thrive for sure. So musical adaptation of Days Gone, you're in? Oh, please. <laughs> oh my God. That would be incredible. Oh, what I would do. <laughs> we need another zombie musical. We got zombie prom and the Evil Dead musical, but we need more mm. than that. Yeah. That would be fun. I'd I love be all the, over that. The Evil Dead musical. I went to see that uh, at a theater oh, here in LA just a few years ago. It was awesome. Fucking oh, love that. I would love to see it. It's brilliant. I've heard the music. It's so good. It's mm -hmm. so good. I just love when people mix stuff like that. Right. Especially horror. Horror and theater need to make, there needs to be far more of that. Mm -hmm. That that was, yeah. So I, something, something, I just like to perform. I don't think that there's one over the other. I, re, I just love, though, VO is such new ground for me still. Although I've, I've been kind of dabbling in it for a few years now. I, I, I was in a, a long relationship with someone who was very deeply uh, seasoned with VO. And she really taught me everything I needed to know to do Days Gone. And I learned it's such a very specific style and format of acting that requires an entirely different school of thought um mm. and i really i've fallen in love with the, the that that system of you know i had to i had to try a lot of that for wade um and I, honestly it was something that i really feel like they liked me for i'm actually in days gone a lot more than people realize like i'm hidden i'm peppered throughout the the whole thing as different voices um, oh really Oh yes, yeah. I'm rippers. I'm I, I, I'm zombies here and there. You kind of hear me in the background when you play the game, and uh, a lot of a lot of people wouldn't realize it. But, oh, like some of the NPC dialogue, like the people yep. talking in the camps and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm I'm goons. I remember in particular. Well, anytime a ripper is being uh, shredded apart, you can hear me in there screaming. I'm one of the one of the <laughs> voices. I'm probably more than one. I did a lot of screaming. They found out I was good at that. Um, I'm also. There is a mission towards the beginning of the game. I think it's your first bounty that you're chasing someone on a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. um, it's in the first leg of the game. I'm that guy. There's like this big gruff voice uh, that was on a very fast bike. It's like the first chase that you yes, get. I'm him. Yeah. I'm him too. I don't think he was. Uh, he was named. I can't remember his what the character was named. I love that though because they were like, okay, you we're probably not going to use this because you can do up to three voices when they call you in for a session and during 2016 i think 2017 i was being called in um just every once in a while they'd call me in just to do, do some pickups and stuff mm -hmm. and um while i was there i could play two other characters and so they got a few out of me through that whole process and i just remember that one he was like we're not going to probably not going to use this because you're distinct but um this guy is 40 and he's overweight and he's swinging a chain over his head and he hates deacon so uh make just do that i, had, I got to do this like I'll get you, you know, like that kind of voice <laughs> out of nowhere. And it ended up being in there. So I was shocked they used that. But yeah, you can hear cow. me if you if you pay attention. I'm I'm kind of 
but my my flavor's peppered on there. It's nice. It's really kind of a cool thing. I had no idea. That is absolutely fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody that you see has at least played like a goon or something. Like everybody plays at least three characters when they go in. They just got to get their their money's worth, you know. And everybody's so good. Yeah, uh, that was intimidating to because they'll throw the characters at you sight unseen. Like now you're playing like a really young guy, or you know, that's that's a lot of fun for me. I love that stuff. Yeah, I know people are gonna want to know. I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but uh, Sam Witwer, who played Deacon. Um, yeah. did he, who else did he play in the game? Is he peppered throughout as other characters? Mm, you know, I don't think he is. I think he might be an exception. He, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he came in cause he, he has one of the most impressive ranges I have, mm-hmm. I've heard. Like, I don't know if you give a guy who plays guitar, a guitar to sit with, even if he's not supposed to play anything, he'll play some licks that'll blow your mind just for fun. That's how Sam operated. He'll, he, he would just throw out voices that were like, impossible to come out of his mouth like he did he does the most pitch perfect serene mckellen voice like his gandalf is insane it's so good i've and heard his arnold throw... schwarzenegger that's, in- yeah, that's yeah super impressive i'm like wait oh that is actually arnie <laughs> yeah he's brilliant he's he's got he's got a really really um elegant control of his box it's, it's very it's very interesting to see him pull his tools out he's but I, I don't i don't know off the top of my head uh who else he could have played i think that he was really putting it's so him. Deacon is so him that he uh, he probably would have more room to to throw some character voices in there, and you wouldn't notice it. Right. Um, he's yeah. not really putting anything on for for Deacon, uh, which I think is so fitting. It's excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a very he's a very intelligent guy. I, I I was very impressed with Sam just as a person. Yeah. Um, very helpful too. Him and him and John were they were both very very interesting uh co-workers just for their insight alone like the the whole thing is new like performance capture is still a very fresh medium and when it comes to making something like days gone you're you're kind of figuring out how it even works in the first place while you're doing it um and so the characters we had to just improv and bounce off each other and learn how that dynamic even worked interpersonally before we could ever record it and it was really kind of fascinating just to hear sam's insight on um the technique of of wearing a performance capture suit and and uh you know much less getting into the artistic side of like how the characters interact i was i was deeply impressed with him the entire way through yeah yeah because you said Mm -hmm. this was your first mocap job Mm -hmm. and you know sam has done many many games before so i'm sure he's you know very experienced with this so did he kind of take you under his wing and like give you lots of lots of tips and pointers and things like that yeah i'm i'm very very um thankful that i got to work with with sam in particular because he he's a very generous actor which i think you'll hear that sometimes and it can be a little confusing what that means it's it's He's not really there to glorify himself um, as much as he's just trying to tell the story the best way it can be told. And the way he comes at that is a very honest perspective on people, which is very similar to me. Like he just really has a great grasp on how uh, not only how people function together within a, within a moment, but how you can tell that story without it getting away from us. Because that's the other thing when you're playing with such high stakes in the story you end up sometimes getting lost in what would be realistic. 
Mm. Um, and he was very good about bringing focus back to like, well, this is from the player's perspective. So we need to get outside of your head and move into a very external place, which is hard for a lot of actors to, for me to do in particular. Yeah. And he was very, very good at um, helping me find the truth in something while still giving a performance that was very palatable for the viewer. He's a very intelligent man. How did you first get the part? How did you get the role of Wade? It was a very um, cut and dry audition process. You know, in VO, uh, you'll you'll get I, you have a different agent for voiceover that you would for film and TV, and uh, same as you you know you have a different agent for commercial and for musical theater and that sort of thing. Um, but with VO, it will they'll throw in these mixed media things every once in a while, and because I was new to it they were still trusting me with things and this because this was like you know it was also requiring of me to perform physically they they kind of they threw a bone at me it was like this very out of nowhere like you know try it out see if it works for you because it's, it's still a lot like it's still a lot like uh television so it was <laughs> kind of shocking that i got the opportunity to read for it because performance capture is a very specialized art that, that is very um i mean andy circus is uh pioneering the uh the the whole industry on this uh and it's very new I mean, there hasn't been a new form of acting since improv does that mm. make sense like yeah. improv is a very modern take at performance in a way that i think performance capture is uh now the like newest version of that mm. um and it's it was really interesting to like you know kind of figure out the not just how to tell the story within the game but to be like we're still figuring out how this technology works in general right. <laughs> and yeah that was really cool it was very very interesting it was the same stages that they uh they film other um other playstation hits like uh, uh the uncharted games and the last of us it was all in the same studio so i got to play in like the same shoes that nolan north probably played in or something it's just like very awesome. cool. Very cool. <laughs> Are you a fan of uh, of gaming and and those games that you mentioned, The Last of Us, Absolutely. Uncharted? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. A hundred percent. I, I uh, like I mentioned before, I kind of got into producing um, more than acting when I was uh, in LA, and I, I had uh, a whole whole experience working with Rooster Teeth and and with uh, other Let's Play um, style YouTubers, and it was something that really tuned me into like my love for video games it was it made me realize just how passionate i am about that stuff to begin with because it's a unifying media it, like people people fall in love that's how they find their own uh, appreciation for their own free time is through video games it's a really mm -hmm. important um uh, really important uh, genre yeah so I, i've always had high high reverence for it for sure it, uh, that was the first time i realized acting was a job a job was when i heard link uh scream in <laughs> ocarina of time while falling from a high rock I was like wow there was a guy who just got to scream cool <laughs> and that was his job. Yeah. He got paid. And I for wanted that. that job. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't even thought about that. I was like, wow, they were like, can you just like <clears throat> can you like make a noise? <laughs> like that was a job. I always thought about um I used to play old school old school Tomb Raider. That was like my first big love in the in video games. And um she does these weird little grunts when she's like moving something. It's all this like <clears throat> Yeah. Those kinds of noises. And I'm like, someone had to stand had a microphone <laughs> make all yeah, these bizarre I've, noises <laughs> that's so funny you talk about that i i had a i heard a horror story about someone um who, this isn't this isn't necessarily cool in my opinion but it was an interesting thing because somebody was my friend was brought in for a video game and she was asked to do those effort noises they're like okay now picture you're pu pushing a light box now a medium-sized box now a heavy box and so she had all these like 
you know, noises that she's doing. And later it turns out all of those noises were used for a sex scene. <gasps> oh no. Not cool. Not cool on their part. Oh, but that's, cool. you know, you, that's, that's the industry. Sometimes stuff's just like, Oh, that works for this. Oh <laughs> no. God, that's. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. know. I don't know which would be worse though. It would be asked to, to come in and to film or to record noises for a sex scene. To like uh, know you, you've got to make sex noises. Would that... I'm a big fan of consent, personally. So right, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, and also just because like I would hate to, I would hate to sound like I'm trying to push someone while I'm in bed. <laughs> just simply for, <laughs> I want to make sure I'm giving the right grunt. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, because I always but... thought that with the, with Tomb Raiders, like those noises are slightly sexual no they're whole classes yeah you can take whole schools for learning how to not make it sound like you're having one when doing effort noises like people really go out of their way to learn how to do that <laughs> it's such a strange a strange thing that when you break it down into these little like recording little grunt noises like it's a strange industry a strange job that you have where I it's like that. just yeah. go record a noise of pushing a box or having sex or whatever <laughs> right my first time doing uh the ripper uh voice the the instructions were hilarious they were you know the the rippers were kind of like the more cartoony characters of all mm. of them like i could kind of get up into a weird screechy head voice and uh, I, I it sounded so inhuman sometimes which i think was the purpose they wanted to really blur the line between monster and person um, right and the rippers in particular have this sort of like crazed like i need to get something kind of like thing about their voice that feels a little bit maniacal and i i just the i remember one day instructions were something like okay picture you're dancing around the fire you're doing drugs you're having fun with your friends you're swinging knives around and you love doing that kind of thing you're having a party now a bear shows up picture you're being eaten by a bear scream like you're being eaten better by a bear now it's slinging you around by your neck you know like it was all these different like <laughs> well how would you scream if it had your arm instead of your neck you know like that kind of thing like it was really interesting we'd always save the screams for the end too <laughs> are you yeah because you don't want to wear out your voice right at the beginning right yeah yeah very interesting are you in like a recording booth and you've got the headphones on and they're like in the other room like okay now do it like this okay now yes. do it like this and you're just reacting Mm -hmm. That were, Those were the pickups I were talking about. They'd kind of call. So the initial um, filming, which I think is what you would call it. They did, they were filming it. it. It's this big, beautiful padded room. The space is really interesting. It's it's a big hangar room, just like a big open room uh, with white padding on everything. And you're holding PVC objects to represent the guns or the, you know, whatever it is. You have these like fake versions of things. And you're basically, it's the purest form of making pretend. You're being a little kid again in these spaces mm. because... You have these suits on with all the balls all over them and whatnot. And those attach live to the sensors that are hidden in, three, in, in 360 around the room. And so everything you're doing is being captured. And you can actually see the characters move when you would move because your, your um, movements are attached to the skeleton of the character. So I was able to see, I was basically playing VR um, mm. within the game. It was very cool. Um, but these, yeah, they'll have cameras for reference, but it's this 360 view so you don't really have to do setups. You can kind of record the scene all the way through and get every angle you need for it, which is just tremendously cool. So it was really, we were really focused on like, what does this mean? And how do we get the, the most intentional performance out of this physically and emotionally? And we didn't have to worry about all the physical side of things, which is rare. Mm -hmm. Usually in theater or 
on film and TV, there's far more blocking involved when it comes to the actual scene work. But right, because you got to be aware of where the pure. camera is, where the lights mm-hmm. are, how far but away the audience entirely, is. Yeah, yeah. And and you have marks to hit. And there's still marks. There's still a lot of physicality to this. I mean, honestly, physicality is probably one of the most important parts about this. Mm-hmm. But because you're being captured in 360, it really you, it requires of you to just live in it and mm-hmm. not get so specific, which was fascinating to me. Um, I really appreciated it. With it being a video game, you know, I imagine, can they kind of like, if they need to move you closer or further away from the other actors or from other objects or whatever that may have been included, they could literally do that in, mm-hmm. the, in, the, in the program or whatever, in the game. Right. You're basically just trying to be um, malleable enough for them to fudge it later because right. collision is one of the hardest parts of a video game. You know, like mm. holding on to an object is very difficult. So they kind of want to give you the physicality so they can fix it in post. Right. So you never knew what was being used or how it was being used. And a lot of my physicality ended up not translating to the final product in a lot of occasions. And it's interesting because they, they'll put a camera that's hit, uh, on a helmet that's hooked up to face your face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you're doing all of these things um, to imply what they can do with it. But for me, Wade, my movements and the translation of my face and stuff ended up kind of uh, being changed in post a lot of the time because my character doesn't look like me the way that uh, right. Sam looks like Deacon. Um, but it's so fascinating because you can still see, you can see my soul underneath that face. It's very weird. <laughs> There's something very strange about that. You can see my face moving underneath his, like a body switch or something. Yeah. It's like you, but in a different body. Yeah, it's strange. It's st- it's my movements, but not my not my parts. And yeah. the, so I, you never knew what was going to be used or what was useful in, in the first place. They mostly just wanted you to to get like 80 to 90 percent there and the rest of it was magic but um yeah it's interesting it's very very it was the most like playing pretend with my friends in the in the uh playground of any game of any job that i've had it was very cool uh wade starts out as like comedic relief but his mm-hmm. story has as i mentioned before like an unexpected dark turn how did you approach playing a character with such a wide range. Oh, I, that's very flattering to, to hear. It's a wide range. There, I think that there's um, there's a element to him that I fell in love with, and it happened in the second round of recordings. We started with doing everything in the room, you know, in person performance capture with the suits, and then we'd be called back into a booth over time to do these pickups, and um, those were done in the booth. And it was interesting to kind of see the character get more fleshed out during those pickups in a lot of ways over time than it, I, I understood while we were filming it in person. And it really came from the radio conversations, which is mostly, mm. that was like the main thing that kind of informed Wade as a person was how he would just call, he'll call Deacon just bored yeah. and, and just like see how he's doing, uh-huh. um, which is just so cute. I, I, I love Wade for that. I think that that's like, my favorite thing about him. And he just honestly, kind, of, kind of imprint on Deacon like a baby bird, you know, like a little yeah. bit sort of like, oh, Deacon's the guy I'm good. Because there's one part where he tries to kind of do Deacon a favor. Like when he's, I forget the details, like Sarah was talking to the doc or something like that. And he's like, oh, I, I thought you'd want to know. Like, I'm, I'm just like giving you this intel. Like, I thought you'd yeah. want to know. And it's like, Deacon didn't ask him to keep tabs on Sarah. But yeah, he sort of like has this whole like, I'm going to be Deacon's sidekick 
kind of vibe. You're right. I love that. I love that so much about him. He does. He does. That's what I mean by him. He's very smart. Like he's really attentive. He's paying close attention when he sees that picture of Sarah. Yeah. He's like, I want to hit that and doesn't understand the social cue of like, that's my wife, bud. But like, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, it really kind of does tell the story over time. You're like, Wade's probably hanging out in these barracks and he's, he's clocking all these people. And he's like, Oh shit, that's the guy. That's the girl I saw in the picture. Like you can kind of picture it in your head, mm-hmm. him sort of starting to track what's going on. And even, you know, cause Deacon's not really humoring it a lot of the time, but right. I love that he does. He does eventually, he does kind of, I love that, that Deacon starts to eventually go like, okay, buddy, how are you? Or, you know, he starts to kind yeah. of feel it himself. It's like the first time someone's like, I want to be your friend, <laughs> which is yeah. just so sweet. Um, and it's also yeah, how we, kind of how we react to it. Because the first time we see Wade, it's yeah. like, oh, God, who the fuck is this guy? Like, he's <laughs> no. so extra compared to the rest of the world. It's like, he's cracking jokes, you know, he's all kind of like goofy and upbeat. And I'm like, how ha- do how are you upbeat? Like, do you not see the world? Did you not see the fucking hordes of freaks? Uh, have you not had a bear attack you or a rager bear attack you? Like, how are you upbeat in this world? Um, that was honestly the thing you. that did it. Yeah. No, I'm sorry to interrupt. That was, that was my thought too. I honestly think that the range became really easy because of how lovable and playful he is at the top. Because those things are things that I admire about him. Like mm-hmm. that, honestly, being able to play a character like uh, Wade really informed me as a person in the years after playing him. Because I went through an extraordinarily, as as we all did, you know, during 2020, 2021, those years were just dreadful. And I think mm-hmm. it was playing Days Gone in the midst of all of that, um, for, it, both in 2020 and then again in 2021, I, I, I replayed it and was just sort of like, this guy is handling the apocalypse better than I'm handling a pandemic. <laughs> and it's like, until he suddenly doesn't, but you know, it just speaks to, to the quality of that man's heart. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think Wade is a stronger man than I am. And uh, it's, I, it was something in me that's like, you know, if he could just break through, if he could just appreciate himself the way that he appreciated the drugs he would have found a way through this instead of against it. And I, I, that that was very inspiring to me. It's like, if I can just have, if I can channel the joy and the passion for, and the hope that Wade seemed to embody um, in my own life, I'd be a much stronger person. Yeah. So it's just, it's devastating to think of, you know, the power of, of the destructive force of behind, behind drugs and addiction itself. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very human. Uh, so it was, I believe very firmly that you cannot have great joy without great pain. Um, and it's, it's that middle path you, you read about in, in Buddhism a lot. It's, it's, you can't get one without the other. And it, it, Wade is really a, an exemplary force of um, someone I think we'd all, we we'd all should aspire to, to a certain extent, you know, once you get to his weaknesses, it's different, but I admire that, that playful spark of like, I have a friend. Yeah. People are being, turned into shish kebab and he's just hoping for someone to to smoke weed with i think it's really i admire that a lot about him but that the darkness comes easy when you see just how uh, how rare the happiness is do you think um well i i guess two-part question so when you started out shooting the scenes for wade how much did you know about where the story was going that kind of informed your acting and kind of what you knew about the character and also at what point in the story do you think he fell 
into drugs. Because you, mm. you could look at it both ways. That either there's a point in which he started getting drugs, or maybe he was high all along, or at least was falling back into his addiction right from the beginning. I think um, that's a great question. I, I think that there's, uh, well, when I first started, I I didn't really have more than just Wade's scenes. And um, it was a rigorous process. I overnight got 22 pages, I think, the first day that we shot. And so all I had was just Wade. And so mm. it didn't really matter to me uh, the rest of the story, especially because of how Wade is introduced. He is someone, right. he comes out of the shit. He has no clue how anything functions within the militia he's clearly just bumbling around he doesn't need to be informed about the rest of it so it really didn't all that mattered to me was this is me if i were a pothead and uh that that made so much more sense was that kind of how it was sold to you that it's like okay imagine that he he's a he's a pothead he's you know just gets high and that's sort of his personality yeah, I, in a lot of ways. I don't, I honestly think that he was probably a bit clean before the militia. I think that's why he snapped is because he has I don't I don't know if they kept it in. Is there a scene in which Deacon is with um oh what's his name? It's Sam Puefua's uh character who is um oh I'm losing Corey? it. There's one uh, Is it Corey? No. Um Weaver? I'm, I'm not remembering which. Uh he's uh a Samoan man. Uh, and there was a scene where we all get high together at one point. And I don't know if they mm, kept that mm, scene in. No, that's. Okay. That's they cut mind. that out. They did cut that out then. So there is one scene that's kind of like Wade has like a, a, a peace pipe with Deacon and uh, Sam Puefu's character. I'm losing his name right now in, in the actual, um, in the game. But uh, yeah, there's this kind of peace pipe moment and you see Wade in his element. And it's really funny because he's tripping. And uh, for me, that was sort of like, okay, maybe this gets him back on uh, back Mm. off the wagon in a way that triggers him to go like, well, I can get high other ways. Um, So you don't really necessarily see it. I still like to believe it happens in the background at some point that he meets up with uh, this other character and um, ends up sort of breaking bad. But right. I think that he was probably close to clean when he met Deacon the very first time. When you first see him, he's he's itchy. I kind of wanted to play him a little bit scattered, a little bit kind of on edge, but still, you know, he's confused. But mm-hmm. he's probably been high for a long time until recently. So, right. it's, do you it's, do you think yeah. that he was maybe high like before the collapse of society and has just been forced to be clean because where the fuck are you going to get drugs in the apocalypse? Yeah, absolutely. Which is why I, th- I think he doesn't fully understand the weight of the pills that he takes. Mm. Um, and I, I honestly think it's just he's a pothead to start with. Uh, and, you know, if, if he's at the pharmacy, if he's if he's um, around the doctor, he's not messing around with with weed. He's messing around with like uppers and downers and probably yeah. has no clue which is which. And uh, yeah, so it's it's a it's a manic episode waiting to happen. Him just sort of like looking for any fix. Um, right. So, yeah. In lots of ways. That's, I mean, it's very, it's like a kid looking in his dad's house for alcohol. You know, it, it kind of, I think it's that kind of energy where he just sort of, he's just looking for any way to get lifted. Yeah. Kind of like not knowing the difference between the Miller Lite and the, uh, you know, 18 year old Scotch. Right. And the stakes are so high that I wouldn't be surprised if the doctor pulled a gun on him. And mm. you know what I mean? Like there's just stuff that like really informs like, 
why he goes so far, but it's just these very human things. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, it's a very he's a very divisive character. Um, there are a lot of people who lose all sympathy for him when mm-hmm. he kills the doctor and, and just oh, like, yeah. oh, he went too far. Fuck that guy. Uh, he does. It does go too far. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, but for me, it's like I, I, I kind of get it. Uh, obviously, you know, yes, he did go too far, but like, I still have sympathy, and I still agree that Deacon, uh, the mercy kill that he grants Wade, mm-hmm. I think that was the right choice. Um, I agree. Yeah, I was going to ask, what's what's your opinion on it? I'm one of my most proud moments was that was that i love the way that it was written and me and sam did it a few times in a way that as it went on it got more and more intimate almost the way that he would we would like hold each other and we did a few different versions where he like really cradles me we did a few where he he's more distant but like over the course of filming it um it was ended up being kind of a mixture of them but there were a few different versions where i cried for a much longer period of time and really kind of talked more a lot of it was there was a lot of freedom to improv in that. We really just wanted to find the most realistic version of it. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, the most realistic version of that got way darker. in Because in, when you look, it's just someone waiting for it. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's honestly, the discourse around people shifting their mindset on Wade is really interesting. Um, and it speaks a lot to the way that people have sort of conditioned themselves to view addiction. Uh, and people who are addicts, you know, we have this, we have a lot of vocabulary for looking down on people who have weaknesses with addiction. But uh, Wade, to me, is an g- example about why we should have compassion for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that he's probably the most one of the one of the most relatable people explicitly because he screws up. Yeah, that scene always makes me cry. The I don't want to hang. Um, yeah. And just the just the thought, the, the way he describes why he doesn't want to hang, like, it's not just I don't want to die. He's not saying I don't want to die. He's saying I don't want to be trotted out as an example for the militia, for the crazy colonel to just use me to kind of show off his power and everyone's going to be there. Everyone's going to be laughing at me. That bit always gets to me, whereas like everyone's going to laugh while I hang. And oh, every time I'm just like, it's like a knife to the heart. I'm like, Jesus, this this poor kid like he doesn't deserve that right yeah he's a kid he's a kid you know when it comes to failing uh, when it i mean when it comes to any emotion we're only as old as the last time we experienced it mm. and so when wade is sort of suddenly in the throes of failure and feeling embarrassed it's interesting that he focuses on the way that it looks and not the feeling of suffering to death uh he's so he has been so ripped up by people in his life for being a screw up that all he can think about is is the humiliation mm. and it's it's a very poignant thing to me that he is looking at it from that perspective because it it's probably the most realistic version of a person who has a history of failing is is seeing it from everyone else's perspective but um yeah, he turns, he reverts into a little kid again and is sort of talking to his dad in a lot of ways, just like, please do something. And it, yeah. it's it's really the best version of a way out in that world, honestly. he Other than, you know, getting the, a good old Russian two shot to the back of the head, he probably has one of the nicest deaths 
mm-hmm. in the show and in, in, in the game in lots of ways. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I think that it's just, it's really kind of, uh, that's, you, you've touched on something really, really poignant. The fact that it's, it's about the way he looks. That was something I focused on a lot. So I wanted yeah. him to kind of feel like a little kid who had been caught again. Mm-hmm. You and, did a uh, yeah. fucking phenomenal job. Like it, it oh, really, really comes across. Um, I mean, like I said, you know, he's, he's one of the most interesting characters. He's one of the, one of my favorite characters really. And it's because the way he's written and because the way he's acted, like you, you did such oh, an incredible you. job. Well, the writing was, was really extraordinary. John's got a, um, he's got a very brilliant mind in a, in a way that I think is uh, just, it's just not like anyone else. There's nobody out there who writes like that. Mm. And uh, I, I, I would love to work with them again. I, I just hope that, uh, there's more I can do with that. I I just adore that stuff. Absolutely. I mean, I would for sure would love to see you in a in in a Days Gone sequel or in any other th- in any other game. You, know? um, you and me both. Start tweeting it, John. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would love to do that. I'd love to. Awesome. And I just uh, just to get to do more video game work in general would be incredible. I just had the best time. Yeah. Yeah. So you just mentioned about the realism of the characters, and that's something that kind of like draws me to this game. Something that I think is 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 true throughout the way the characters are written. They're all so realistic, and mm-hmm. there's there's so much realism in the way everyone reacts to everyone else and reacts to the the situation that they're in. I don't really know what my question is. Just a, a statement of. <laughs> how awesome the writing is that it just it it's a whole different level compared to other video games the whole world in fact that we exist in in the game has such depth to it yeah i actually talked to um my nephew is doing this project in high school where he and he wants to be a video game uh designer himself which is really cool uh and he he had to do a project where he reached out to uh, somebody in the field that he wants to be a part of to get information. And I ended up connecting, I ended up getting the questions from him and asked John and he took some time to be interviewed by my nephew um, about it. And it was really kind of cool. It was questions I had. It was like, what makes a good, what makes a good story? You know, it was Mm. very generalized things. And the way that he talked about storytelling is so simple, but it was such, it was such a, a really clear masterclass and, and and the kind of mindset you need to have when making stories. And it was sort of this like non-judgmental look at what is the biggest through line following an interesting story that tells something real about real people. And mm. he, he sort of just talked very, very openly about how he wanted to take the approach of like, this is human. This is, these, these are real humans. And this is a real thing that could happen. And if it did happen, it would happen exactly like this. And uh, really took that to heart in a very, honest way and it was it was honesty in particular he wanted it to be an honest story and i think he very much succeeded that's a that's a really good word to use for days gone is honesty mm-hmm. the good and the bad the brutal truths of the world and nature and things like that you know um the cruelty right. of of it the unapologetic cruelty of the world uh but also the honesty of people when you strip away all of the um, the masks that we are allowed to use, you know, social media, things like that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. podcasts, um, whatever it is, like the way we can yeah, present yeah. ourselves, the different personality we have at work compared to at home, um, you know, the different social circles we're in, all of that's gone. That that's that's meaningless now in this world. You just you. Right. 
and it ends up being kind of a cool lesson in not judging people too. Like mm. the way that Copeland is sort of like probably someone you'd avoid a lot of the time in real life now, but like in the, in the context of the apocalypse, there's, you can see Deacon go like, you know what? There's, I, I can, I can see where you're coming from at times. Like he's got this conspiracy theory mindset and he's this Copeland is, he's, he's just kind of this big boisterous guy that I, I probably wouldn't, uh, necessarily agree with in a lot of ways but like the way that he starts to kind of look at the world within the context of what it is in that world you start to go like okay yeah i don't judge that that is a perfectly reasonable place to come from in your position you know and we don't do that it's it's society now without the destruction of it we don't really give each other the benefit of the doubt uh, Mm -hmm. as much as you tend to in in a video game like that like iron mike was probably the most relatable guy but um also probably uh probably one of the shortest lifespans of the people in that world simply because of his softness Mm. and so you start to kind of see where other people are coming from the militia makes more sense in the apocalypse than it does in in society right now honestly and it's like this is a dangerous scary place to exist uh without zombies Mm. um but it sort of feels like it maybe does make sense when you look at like the circumstance at hand. So it's, it's just, it's a cool lesson in humanity within context. And um, it's opened my mind. Like I, I can't judge people the way I used to do. And I don't know if that's explicitly because of this game or just uh, you know, me meditating more, but like there is something about, about the game that really asks of you to open your mind. Um, you don't, I don't even think it, it's obvious all the time that it's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially because Deacon's not really doing anything nicer than all the other people that he's hunting down. Mm. He's yeah, just, that's, yeah, yeah, that's the great thing about the the Deacon arc, and it took me a couple playthroughs to really wrap my head around it because it it is sort of um, unspoken. It is just shown to you, and you have to you have to kind of pay attention. But he is Deacon has lost his humanity at the beginning of the game. He is one step away from the abyss he is you know bringing slaves to tucker um you know going out with bounty kills you know he shoots leon he's he's not a good guy he's slipped so far from Mm -hmm. the ethical code that he used to have he still maintains a little bit of it with the whole like i don't shoot unarmed women uh kind of thing but it's like that's sort of a little bit of a an easy rule to follow um it it doesn't yeah. really and how often does that come up in deacon's day-to-day life like most of the time he's killing people and collecting bounties and killing freaks and and when he goes to get lisa for tucker you know it's like she says oh i, I need more able bodies to help with the dig site uh there was a teenage girl down in that town go get her and he's like okay and like he doesn't yeah the consequences i wouldn't even you know I wouldn't even send people to Tucker right. <laughs> just because it felt wrong. <laughs> but I didn't like Copeland, so I, it was hard to like recommend anybody except yeah. until you, you know until you got to Iron Mike. Um, right, but, and then it's like, oh, thank God, there's a decent captain yeah. in this world after Di- all. Yeah, Diamond Lake too, but it was still the militia. Like you, st- but like you kind of run into this thing with Deacon where you're like, I don't know, not my circus. You know, like mm-hmm. it's kind of the whole life that he had to live because it, it it's just him and Boozer and right. And, um, it's it's almost when Boozer gets out of commission that you start to see him go like maybe I do give a shit. 
Yeah. And it takes him sort of like going through that tower moment. I mean, literally they have to leave the tower. It's like, there's, there's this whole thing of him having to find humanity through realizing how much he gives, gives a shit about his best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. uh, there's, there's, um, there's just something really uh, interesting about that. Cause like you do, you do see like his perspective makes the most sense, but it's not like it's a kind one. It's not like he's a hero. Mm. he's not mm-hmm. trying to be um he ends up being one but it's like in his world he he's not thinking he's the main character right uh it's just interesting it, it, he has he has the best idea though like to to just be on your own makes the most sense and he i don't know i, I it's hard it's hard for me to um but also when you see him lose his composure like when it comes to the way that he responds to the rippers like he is vicious and completely off the rails at times when it when he when he interacts with the rippers and especially at the end when he crashes the militia and you know mm. you see him have this like i'm going to kill them all reaction it's right. it's um it 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 takes him to a whole new perspective for me yeah. uh yeah cuz usually he he's very good about biting his tongue and being very stoic but it's really fascinating when he breaks mm. yeah there are those um, moments of of just pure rage or it was always mm-hmm. under the surface with Deacon. He's he's just seeped in it. And there's the moment where he blows up the dam and he refers mm-hmm. to the rippers as, you know, oh, we're just gonna drown them like rats. You That's know, like, wild. Yeah. And he's no different from Schizo mm. in that. Like him and Schizo is sort of like teaming up there. I just I remember playing that part and being like, you know, obviously we don't like Schizo brilliantly performed but like fuck schizo and there's this whole thing about it that feels sort of like well that's the main character in a different version of this game isn't it schizo is another version of deacon Mm -hmm. just a slightly more self-serving person a slightly more self-aware of being self-serving um Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean I, i i'm hashtag team schizo all the way like he oh, is really? a weasel. Yeah, yeah. No, I love Schizo. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a terrible person. I mean, he is a, a fucking little shit weasel. But he sees the truth. He see. I mean, I'm an idealist. I would be in this world Iron Mike. But Iron Mike has it wrong. Schizo knows yeah. what's up. He goes about fixing the problem wrong. That's why he's a shit weasel. But he sees what the problem is. And Iron Mike isn't facing the fact. Right. Well, Schizo is coming from it from a completely egotistical place, mm. which which is just so separate from everybody else that it ends up being kind of the least uh, the least functional perspective in the long run. Anything right. anybody does for ego is going to fall apart. You know, and Deacon's the only person who's looking at the grand scheme of things as far as it's maintainable. And Schizo really just is more short sighted than I think even he realizes. Um, and I think the reason that Deacon's the main character versus Schizo is because Deacon's kind of seeing things a little bit grander than it's like Schizo's like Deacon if Deacon never found, fell in love. My bad. Right. Yeah. Deacon definitely has a a more uh, I don't want to say optimistic. That's perhaps not the right word. But a um, he he is still he throughout the game he realized he is coming back in touch with his humanity. He is someone mm-hmm. that's on the upswing. Whereas Schizo is ruled by his distrust and his uh-huh. ego 
Um, and when I say I'm Team Schizo, I like him because he's a good villain. I like the way he's oh, written. Um, you know, it's so well performed. <laughs> oh my god, that performance is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's Jason so Spears like really knocked it out of the park. Oh my god, I admire the shit out of that. I was just in awe playing the game. Like, how did you find? How did you get such a fun character? It's just <laughs> he does an incredible job. I really, really love it. And yeah. it's so interesting because it's you end up, yeah, you end up just going like, okay, he probably would live longer than most people mm-hmm. yeah he's the kind of guy that would survive in this world because he's Absolutely. a survivor he's a he's a weasel who can look out for himself and manipulate people i mean like you were saying about wade being smarter than he appears smarter than people read him as schizo mm-hmm. you notice is actually playing dumb a lot of the time he is yes. really fucking smart and he purposefully tones it down to to kind of throw people off or put them at ease mm-hmm I view Deacon and Schizo as complete and utter equals in every way. Yeah. It's just Schizo is kind of like a shadowy reflection of Deacon. Like they're both, both could be each other's mirror image, but just from a different place. They have, they have a lot of similarities. I've talked about this on the podcast before. You know, they both, um, Schizo, well, there's the question of whether or not his backstory is uh, factual. The backstory he gives about being in gangs, but uh, you know, if he's in gangs, it's very militaristic, very, you know, code of conduct oriented, um, loyalty and uh, hierarchy. And Deacon comes from the military and the MC, which are very much code of conduct, loyalty. Uh, you know, they, they have that, um, that same structure. So they're kind mm-hmm. of very, very similar, but completely different personalities, completely different approaches to what they want because they both want the same thing at the beginning they both want lost lake to be safe right i i just i i just feel like there's so much to understand about these characters and you know it's just, it's very nuanced i i just love that we can talk this detailed about this about this video game i know it's just right? so <laughs> the conversation about like if video games are art that's not even a question anymore yeah like this is some of the most just in performing this uh, this one character within this world, I was really floored. It's like, this is real shit. This is like real writing um, mm, mm-hmm. in, a, in a non-insignificant way. I, I hope that Hollywood looks m- more at the writing in video games uh, as, as time goes on. and Because it, it's the reason that there's not really very many video game movies that actually hold any water. It's, it's just they're not realizing why people love these characters mm. and why people play these things in the first place. Yeah, and uh, this game is a great exploration of like this is high art in a very very big way. Yeah, make. high art but accessible and entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's if um, if The Walking Dead were to uh, make a good video game, they would have a lot to measure up to mm-hmm. against this. Uh, you know, they got they've, they've tried in the past and stuff, but like this is probably the best version of a zombie zombie universe that i've seen and i i look at the last of us in a different category honestly um when i say that i think the last of us is a very interpersonal story whereas like days gone i'm fascinated by the universe at large Mm. in a very big Mm -hmm. way yeah Um, i don't even know if the last of us would be considered a zombie game in many many capacities it's different i mean it's it is but it's you know it's it's got its own it's not really about that Mm. i have one last question for you if you were in the world of Days Gone, which camp would you be in, and how would you fare? Oh God, I would end up. I I, I feel like me and Wade. Like I'm fully of the belief of, of 
the multiverse, you know, the idea of like every action kind of spiraling off into a different version of yourself within different universes. I fully believe that I probably would have been deaf like laid. I, I don't want to believe that I would have the same addiction issues because I, you know, but it's, it's something when you, when I, when I look at that character, I'm like the A, B and C of this guy uh, is so honest. I'd probably be, I'd probably accidentally end up like him <laughs> in many ways. <laughs> I, if I wanted, I would want to end up with iron mike but also iron mike goes through some of the worst um some of the worst of it you know they, they get really get stormed so i don't know i would want to end up honestly i i wonder if copeland's camp would probably be the best place to go because <laughs> it's just unassuming little camp yeah, out in the woods it's just kind of out there they're not really like forcing people to screw their lives up like you're probably surrounded by a bunch of people you don't like <laughs> but it would I'd probably i'd probably look to if i had deacon's point of view you know what i would want to end up in the uh the facility that she worked at that oh cloverdale yeah i'd want to end <laughs> yeah. up there but yeah. um, if i know me i would bumble my way into some some incident on accident and uh it'd be a miracle that i'd survive <laughs> right that's that's my answer to the question as well is like well if yeah. i did survive i'd probably end up either one of the people that you rescue from the cars who are like, help, help, and they're getting attacked yeah. by freaks, and you just like send them to a camp, and it'd just be mm -hmm. like at the whim of Deacon, like sending me to Tucker's camp or Copeland's yeah. camp or Lost Lake or the militia. Like, you just you'd end up wherever someone told you to go. I, I can, I've had this question a lot because I somehow the theme of zombies has followed me my entire career in a very, very big way. I was talking to somebody about this earlier, like in high school, this was the weirdest thing in high school there was an inside joke where people would sneak up behind me and bite me without me knowing it was going to like as a joke. Cause they knew that I would react wild to it because I was being bitten. <laughs> it's <laughs> fucking weird. It is weird. It's a high schooler. It was the strangest bullying. Um, but they would scream the word zombie before they bit me. And so that like that word ended up becoming like a magical phrase that's that manifested all of these zombie things. I was in zombie prom immediately after that. I was in The Walking Dead, of course, after after all that. I did all these like little short films that were zombie related. Um, oh my God, there's always been, I've, I've gone to, I've had that question so many times. My character in The Walking Dead is probably the most accurate where I was there for like 10 episodes, but you didn't know I was there until the end when I got eight. And it was a <laughs> very, very <laughs> swift death on my end. I don't know if I would be a warrior. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in the zombie world a lot for some reason. <laughs> and on that note, uh, what other projects do you have in the works or where can we see you next? When are you next going to be eaten by a zombie? Oh, I hope I hope soon. I would love to make this a thing where I'm just a part of different zombie universes all over the place. For some reason it's been a part of my life like that. But uh I, I'm doing I'm in it like I said, I'm in Atlanta. I'm getting back into musical theater. I just did um the last five years at the Jenny T. Anderson Theater and I'm starting to meet meet and rub shoulders with uh more musical theater folks over here so i'm auditioning uh i'm online uh at j-a-l-l-e-n-m-c i'm on tiktok and instagram and whatever I, i'm mostly just kind of posting stuff whenever i get the the urge lately and uh that's that's kind of the most of it but come to atlanta come watch me in a show i'm gonna be doing more this year for sure a couple things before we wrap up you can support the Days Gone podcast via buymeacoffee.com slash daysgonepod, where you can throw a little money in the tip jar if you're feeling generous. That really helps me with the overhead costs of running the show. 
And I want to give a special shout out to Headhunter Telesto, who not only has supported my channel for a very long time, but he also generously bought me coffee this week. Thank you, Headhunter. Really appreciate it. You can also support the podcast by simply leaving a review on Spotify or whatever app you listen to us on. And subscribe and give us a thumbs up on YouTube. That helps the algorithm do its thing so more people can find the podcast. Well, Jamie, thank you so, so very much for coming on the show. This has been absolutely awesome getting to talk to you. I really appreciate your time. Oh, it's a real honor. I'm, I'm, I really appreciate you reaching out. You can email me your thoughts, comments, opinions, and counter-arguments at daysgonepod at gmail.com. You can also find me moderating the Days Gone subreddit. Thanks for listening. Weaver out.